0: Welcome to another episode of Horror Figures, in which we'll be discussing the Jennifer Kent 2014 film, The Babadook. Uh, I am your co-host, Ellie Lichshein, and I'm here with Yadidya Gorsaman and Benjamin Joseph Swag. How you doing? Hello. And we're just going to dive right into it.
1: Yeah, so uh, so this, this episode is going to be a really interesting one because The Babadook um, got amazing critical reviews. So it got ninety eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's on all sorts of lists of like the best horror movies of the decade, etc. Critics loved it, but it did not do well. And and we think that that um, that difference mm-hmm. is a really interesting thing to
0: analyze. It did not do well financially.
1: It did not do well financially, and with us, which matters, some might say even more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but also, it, it yeah. did it did uh, surpass its its uh, budget.
2: But compared to other mm-hmm. horror films that went through the same, you know, right? It wasn't a through flaw. the same
0: experience. flop, right. well, So, but, uh, but no, I think but, it
1: was a flop. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. So, you know, how so, are we this, defining
0: a flop? Okay, so if it won back its budget and then. No, no, come. but
1: I don't think it does. So 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 you so when when you go on like Wikipedia and you see and you see a movie, you see the box office and so you see the budget and you see the box office. So the budget was two million, box office was seven and a half million. But the box office is all the revenue that comes in, and that includes and you know, some of that revenue's gotta go to the movie theater and the distribution company and to marketing and this and that and whatever. So the production company that actually made it, that actually spent the money on the budget only makes a fraction of the box office. And so so we were trying to figure out, you know, a good rule of thumb to determine yeah. um, you know, how much a box
0: office comes back to the producers. But I would think that success or whether or not it's a flop is less determined by how much the producers took in their pocket after the fact, as much as it's about did the did the movie actually make more money than it cost to make.
1: No, you know no, I mean? because when we when did. we say budget, that's the production mm-hmm. budget. That's the budget for the movie. But we don't know the marketing budget. We don't know the cost of keeping the theaters open and all their operational expenses. So like meaning the cost to distribute the film, the cost of distribution and and marketing and everything. yeah. so so there are all sorts of costs on top of that, but, but in order to but would that be five
0: million dollars? Like I feel like in every instance I've ever heard, the actual budget of the secondary budget, if you will, of like the marketing and all of that, is less than the unless like you know some superhero no, blockbuster. I, I think it's uh, less than the actual production budget.
1: Well, only because production budgets are usually bigger. But but I think one way to the the best way to evaluate this is to look at production budget and production revenue. So that, that's like a clean way to evaluate, and and then we can say okay, production budget was two million that we have documented, and production revenue is some fraction of box office. So maybe 20 30% of box office. So let's say 25 is a rule of thumb. So it so that would bring it to less than 2 million. So then it would it would have something like 1. 1.7 1.75 million in revenue, which which means that it actually lost money.
0: For those of you wondering, Ben does have a PhD in economics.
1: Yeah, this is what they teach us in economics
2: school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, what's also interesting that I just want to say, and then I think this happens with a lot of, this happens with a lot of films outside of, uh, outside of the U.S., is that a lot of films get their money um, not through investors but through grants. And so basically because Hollywood is, like, the biggest institution um, that makes films, it's, it's too competitive for other countries that either foreign-speaking or English-speaking countries to compete with Hollywood. So they have uh, – but those countries feel that it's important for films to, like, come out of those countries and, and for there to be, like – some shared history. So anyway, they, they, they put aside a certain amount of money and you apply for these grants. And it's it's a free check. Wait, like, who's day Is this the government? Basically it's all governments like except or, for... No, except like for
0: filmmakers. Uh, I remember we were talking with that, uh, Israeli, that Israeli filmmaker, we were going to work on that project with yeah. him. So he was telling us about how he had to go through like the Israeli um, Council of Arts or whatever it was because of that. There's like the grant that you need in order to like make the film. And he made exactly. it seem like everyone has like more or less an equal share of how much money they get to produce their film. Mm-hmm. Which just makes, like, a, a very interesting market.
2: Yeah, and, and like, you, a lot of times in foreign films you see, like, co-productions. So you'll see, like, um, Australia w- and France together. And basically they're trying to pick yeah. the grants from Australia and the grants from, um, from you know, f- f- France. Um, so, but but what the yeah. result of that, though, is this is, is free money. It's not like you have to pay – you don't pay back the government. It's, it's a grant. And what that really means is, like, a lot of times they're taking bigger um, – They'll spend more um, in order. First of all, they'll they'll raise their budgets. They'll inflate their budgets. But people will work for more than they normally would because it doesn't matter, and they just have to show that they're that they have a budget that they can get. High, like you know, oh, we have a one point seven million dollar budget. Um, you know, so people. Oh, so you think their budgets are actually higher than they would because they want the to? Yeah, because they want to get <clears> as much <throat> of the grant as they can. <clears> um, <throat> and then the other okay. thing, and I think the other thing that comes out of it is that. Um, they're not thinking about how much they're going to make as hard because there's no investor they have to go to at the end and say sorry we didn't make money. Um, so mm-hmm. there isn't. A, they're not so concentrated on their return.
1: Wait. So how much of their their fundraising is through is through this Grant? I mean, I, like, <clears throat> I, I think
2: like I think most like like of it. I think all if not all, all it's like uh, you know three quarters.
0: I think that guy we were talking to, like he got his his uh, you know funding from Israel, but he came to America to like try and raise additional like potential investors here, but huh. I think the bulk of it came from...
1: Yeah. So so let's say, I mean... And then, and then by the way, when, yeah. I, when I
2: was in Amsterdam, this was like all anyone talks about, or in Montreal, this is all anyone talks about. It's just how we're going to apply, what grants we're going to apply to. That's like, that's oh, their did strategy. I, did
0: you go to Montreal Amsterdam?
2: Oh,
1: uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, so let's say you're a filmmaker and you can make a movie anywhere. Why would you do it in the U.S.? I mean, is it just... Like, like you would think there would be some, like it would, it would then become difficult for for movies made in the U.S. to compete.
0: I think it's a prestige thing in part. It's like you, the U.S. is viewed as like the pinnacle of film excellence with like Hollywood with the Oscars. With the, there's just this this like weight and gravitas to it in the U.S., which I feel like other countries yeah. don't well, have to the same degree. And there must be a benefit <clears throat> to
1: doing it in the U.S. I, I think that the
2: U.S. has better films generally than well, foreign line. films. Because there, because they're, uh, there's a real market. So, um, first of all, the, these other era, you know, the, how many films are made in Israel a year? Not many, you know, or, or any given mm-hmm. country. They're, they're very small markets. They don't have a lot of actors in that area. They don't have a lot of um, like skilled labor, you know. America has all that, but it's a market. So there's like, you know, it also just has like there's actual competition.
0: I mean, there, there is other like, well, I, don't, yeah, I don't know a ton yeah. about Bollywood, for example, but I know that there right. is a thing <laughs> <That's> called <laughs> the Bollywood, and there is. Um, I know France has like a pretty robust film community.
1: Well, yeah. So, so to get to get really economicsy here, there's oh, you uh, weren't doing that before. <laughs> no, 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 no. You ain't seen nothing yet. Um, but, but yeah, there's this concept in in economics called um, the called economies of agglomeration, which basically means that that in order for you know, in order for industries to to thrive, you need you need a lot of people doing the same thing. So, you know, it's a little counterintuitive because you think of you think of a lot of people getting together, you'd think that would be more competition. But but actually they share expertise and and they, they sort of pool together their resources and labor in order to produce something that's greater than the sum of their parts. So there's really increasing returns to scale when you mm-hmm. have all these skills clustering together. Yeah. So so, you know, when you were making your film. Um, you know, you need the photography. This, that, like you need—you need a whole huge team of people that, that all need to be spatially concentrated, right? Right. And, and that's something that that I guess is a benefit to doing films in the U.S.
2: Totally. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Specifically and, in L.A. or New York. Right. And and I also think that you pay a premium. So <clears throat> it's meaning, for if you're not, what ends up happening mm-hmm. is if people are not around each other, you're paying. You're, you know, that that's where you're paying more and like. When we talk to the film, uh, to the production companies in France or, or, or in, you know, whatever, Belgium, wherever it is, they're like, huh, you know, and we show them our budgets, they laugh. They're like, you can't make a film for that. Wait, can
1: you do this in the accent, please? Yeah. You, you can make a film for that. Uh,
2: no, but, but, but I think that they don't, um, they, 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 there's so many pieces that, that, that are different.
0: Yeah. Okay, to bring it back home, Sorry. circa Bob Dylan, 1965. I think we should, Eww. I think we should get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of of the Babadook, <laughs> uh, just to you know get out there, and we'll bring back this conversation towards the end, okay. the filler at the end. Uh, so yeah, I think we were going to start a little with just the general info about this film, synopsis, etc. Uh, so the plot of the movie is pretty straightforward. You have this uh, woman, mother who is grieving the loss of her husband. Uh, with a slightly troublesome child who's getting into all sorts of trouble in school. And she discovers a book, a child's book, on his shelf. and reads him as a bedtime story called The Babadook. Called Mr. Babadook. Called Mr. Babadook. So
2: confusing.
0: Which is about this uh, like long, thin, skeletal, creepy monster <laughs> with a big black top hat and long claws. And essentially she reads the book and starts to be haunted by the Babadook in her day-to-day life. Um, it's coming for her. It's, um, you know, showing up at her door. It's bad, but Duke, 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 it's like doing its thing. And, uh, she has to battle it and, you know, eviscerate it eventually, which but she what doesn't. About the sun? <clears throat> what about the son? Like his, his deal. What would you say the son's deal is?
1: First of all, he's super annoying. Like y- you hate it. Like we just hate him. You know, he's he's a terror.
0: Well, he's meant to be an annoying terror. That's, like, his character. Yeah.
1: Because from her perspective, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so like, he's very unsympathetic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but the truth is he's unsympathetic, which is a mistake. Because the whole point is that we want her to be mm-hmm. sympathetic towards him. So I feel like...
0: Well, I feel like we, also, we were also struggling in the media, we did decide to figure out who exactly was the main protagonist of it. Right. I mean, it became clear it was the mother, right. you know, 20, 30 minutes in, whatever. Um... But he's like, yeah. But he has this weird thing where he like builds,
2: um, like, uh, weapons to, to like, kill monsters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's kind of like borderline possessed or something.
1: Yeah. So. So. So I think the you know what what we what we found you know. Would pretty much stares you in the face as as you progress
0: through this movie. Did you say stares you in the face or scares you in the face? Ooh, hmm. you can change. I I wanna... <laughs>
1: yes. So right now, so let's say stares, and then we'll get back to scares. <laughs> yeah. Both specifically in the face. Um, so <laughs> so, um, so okay. So what's what what becomes very obvious is that the Babadook is a metaphor. It's not it's it's not an actual monster. there's no monster that she's battling. There's no monster in the house. they don't beat this monster in any way. it's it's just in her imagination and a representation of her grief. so so I think I think that um, so the fact that that the monster is a metaphor, I think that's why critics are so prone to like it well, but, but we'll get back to that before
0: that though but, even it's it, it is I think you're right in the sense that it's a metaphor that We sort of see it appear in scenes, but it's made clear in a variety of ways in which every scene in which it appears that it's something she's kind of, you know, hallucinating or imagining. It's not not really there. But what's a little interesting is there's the book that she finds and then burns or destroys, gets rid of, and the book comes back. Well, first she – yeah, first she rips it up. She rips it up and then she gasoline torches it at some point. Yeah. But in between that, she finds it on the shelf again or – under the bed I don't remember exactly. Yeah, where. so so this is this is interesting. So so I think the so
1: so the sequence of events, she, she finds this book all of a sudden. And, and it's just this big creepy red book. And it's and it's very creepy and like super messed up. And then and then sh- they both get terrified. Both she and the son get terrified. She rips it up into a million pieces. And and also, okay, another thing is that it's not done. There's plenty of blank pages. And then she <clears> she rips it up and destroys it. Then then, um, then finds it on the doorstep. It's all pasted back together, and there's more to it. There's there's, there's yeah more written there's in
0: pictures it. of her in it now. She's right. a character yeah. in the book, killing her son
1: and well, killing, killing the dog, killing, the, killing the dog, son, right, and, and then, then, then killing, her
0: killing herself. Yeah, right, S- slashing her throat.
1: But oh, so so I think what gave it away that 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 she actually wrote this book is that is that there was that line where she was talking to her friends and and they were saying oh what do you do and she's like oh you know she's a nurse but but she also writes kids stories right yeah so and so that has no meaning unless she wrote this book but but i think you know she she wrote it because she's dealing with this like like this monster inside of her you know feels like feels like she she lost her husband the, the same day that she gave birth to her son. They got in a car crash on the way for her to deliver, you know, for her to deliver her son in the hospital. And, uh, and she feels like she traded her husband for the son. Right. And she got the raw end of the deal because he sucks. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and she, and this is just like tormenting her that she really like hates her son and wants to kill him. Um, but you know, she, it's, it's like this, this weird torment and grief and and she's like staying up all night. She's yeah. going delirious she She's just like a crazy person, and so so we I think we do know that it's kind of all in her head
0: yeah
2: right I mean and I think uh I think that's actually the root of the problem. we wish we could talk about a little bit, but uh, in a little bit, but uh, really, the root of the problem is that there's no th- real threat. she's her own threat if if she is, but mm-hmm. like
1: it seems to be that as long as she gets sleep, she's actually fine. Um, yeah, which makes her a very unsympathetic protagonist because she's both the monster and the main character. Exactly. So
0: you don't know who to root Wait, for. but is that a crit- Is that a critique of psychological horror films or psychological thrillers in general that there's no major threat because it's all happening in the protagonist's No, side?
1: no,
2: not at all. Because, like, let's say if you take The Shining, for example, which is happening in, you know, in his head... Um, in Jack Nicholson's head, yeah, spoiler it? alert. I never mm-hmm. saw it. Uh, let's say Fight Club. It, it's actually not happening in his head. I mean, it's even even in that, it's not happening in his head. But the point is, yeah, I mean, Fight Club in that in that way, it's very similar to Fight Club. Fight Club sucks in, at, at that point in the movie. Oof. Fight Club is like once you yeah, realize that yeah. he can control it, it, the the stakes go he way down.
1: Can't control it.
2: Yeah, he can. When he when. Mean, you mean? That whole end speech that he gives himself and then shoots himself in the mouth. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, once he shoots himself.
2: Right. So basically. it's like, but I'm I'm saying that they they hold on to that till the very end because once mm-hmm. you do that, it kind of like okay, but what's the point? Like in in uh, in right. The Shining, okay. uh, which you you know the story. I mean, you know the basic story, which is uh, a guy goes with his family to to a hotel. Uh, they're the they become the caretakers of the hotel over winter. They have fierce winters in this hotel where you're basically trapped there, and the father starts to slowly go insane. Um, but he's not the protagonist. The kid is in that movie. So. Mm.
0: Is he? Yeah. 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 First of all, I think there's an argument to be made that it changes that point. It's like, or there's dual protagonists.
2: No, I you think see a
0: lot of it through the eyes of Jack Torrance.
2: N- you, you, well, you, you have cuts that show <clears throat> you the mom or that show you Jack or that show you well, the kid. Well, if, if you, you
1: know, but there are, specific, but, there but are when a we're number talking
2: of scenes where when, when we're talking yeah. about who's like changing. In terms of who Which is has, how
0: you personally define the protagonist, who goes I, I, through a change.
2: Well, I think any protagonist... It is someone who's going – who's Well, you could say that Jack goes the through the change,
0: change of being sane and completely losing his mind.
2: Right. But I'm saying the person who's going through the most personal changes is the per- – I mean it depends how you define a protagonist. How would right. you define a protagonist? I, I don't know another way to do it
0: necessarily. No, I, I think – I don't disagree with you. I would say that the protagonist though is the one who, through whom you see the majority of the story or who's who's most affected by it, so, who's, so who the story seems to be occurring to.
2: Right. And I think that in, that in that case in yeah. The Shining though, it is happening to the son. He's being – Right. eventually being hunted by the dad, But it's
0: also more normal. There's not, there doesn't have to be one protagonist in the story. There could uh, be multiple. Uh,
2: I would, I mean, it's, I guess it depends. If you're defining it, I, would, way I would argue that you, you really do need one,
0: but, and I would win that argument.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but either way, um, in, 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 I think a good setup like that. Um, it's not, it, it would, it, it, just imagine The Shining, except the, the the Jack is both good and bad at different times in the story. It's completely arbitrary when he's good and when he's bad. And, um, you know, if he just takes a nap, everything will be okay. It kind of sucks. Like, it's not a good story. Yeah. So
1: the, because we're not rooting for him. Which which is to Ellie's point. And, and the, the protagonist has to be someone that we're running. We're yeah, and that and, that and we're the following. fear is so yeah. arbitrary.
2: I mean, ideally you want a mm-hmm. monster who, it's like, the perfect monster is like an alien or, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre where it's like, all the alien wants to do is eat you. It's extremely scary, and like all you can do is run away from it, and you don't want to fight back because that's yeah. like the scariest thing you could do. But eventually, you realize it's the only thing you could do.
0: Um, yeah. So. Why is that the best monster? I feel like there are monsters that. Because are. Because it's, it's it's the easiest. Simplest it's, monster. So it's, an clear. Easy it's so monster. clear, so clear, exactly. But so your fear, into so
2: your quality. fear is so it's so uh, primal. Oh, oh, you you have to run. That's the only thing you can do.
1: Yeah. Oh, so th- this I think opens. I mean. Maybe, maybe let's hold off on getting to this for a bit. But, but this, this like opaqueness of the monster I think is, is really interesting because, because what, what that causes when we don't have a simple monster is that, is that we don't know the parameters. We, we don't know, you know what it's capable of, when it's going to do what. Like you said, that's, that's, that's stupid if we just don't know when it's going to happen. Right.
2: Hush had the same yeah. problem, by the way. The monster didn't want to kill the woman. He just wanted to haunt her. So yeah. it's completely everything is. Oh, uh, is it, it, there's no risk? You you know that he's...
1: it's also the same problem we had with with um, Oculus. So it's, yeah. So let's let's not make an episode where we don't completely <laughs> shit on Mike Flanagan. Um, <laughs> yes. so, so so yeah. This, the problem with Oculus, you know, it's a haunted mirror, great, but like but like sometimes it causes you to do things. Sometimes it causes you to see things. Sometimes it like makes things appear out of nowhere. Like yeah. like it just. You know, what can this mirror do? If it just wants to kill you, why doesn't it just kill you? Like, right.
0: like I think, yeah, I think I think also it's another example yeah. of like a perfect monster, like you were saying, is I think it it follows the yes, perfect example. Perfect example. Yeah, you know completely. exactly what it, it does. But also it has one it has like one goal, one motive. It's just to kill you and then move up the list of exactly, other people to kill. Exactly. It's so clean. It's yeah. very clean, yeah, there's no complication there. So, so and and
2: we were, we were scared shitless because that because every scene you know the stakes are so high and yet you you know that yeah, oh he yeah. wants to eat her and you know it's so but wait, we also scared shitless because
0: they set up something in which anybody who's walking at a slow pace is potentially the monster that's right like, right you yeah. can't trust anybody it's amazing Right, that's true
1: so so but there's two critiques here one is that is that the protagonist can't be the same character as the monster and two. That that the that the horribleness of the monster has to be well understood by the audience. So these are two distinct critiques, and in this case, you know they they you know failed on both accounts. But but just, just on the point that the protagonist can't be the monster. Why why is that?
0: Why the protagonist cannot be the monster? Yeah, I
1: mean, I mean, couldn't she be like an antihero? Like like uh, in Breaking Bad? I mean, isn't he like sort of the monster?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I wouldn't necessarily say yeah. that it's a hard and fast rule that the protagonist cannot be the monster.
1: I, I would actually, um, yeah, yeah,
0: because I
2: think that even in Breaking Bad, though, he there are people who are worse than, and than he is.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: He, he is. He's always he against is the, the protagonist. Monster. Yeah, even,
2: though, even if we don't like him. So, so yeah. maybe if, even though he may
1: not, he may not be likable. Like Tony Soprano yeah. always has a someone he's
2: fighting. Who? Yeah.
1: Okay, so maybe the protagonist doesn't have to be likable, but it has to be someone that we're sympathizing with i mean what is what does protagonist need to be uh, i i think it's someone
2: who who has uh yeah i mean i think it's a good question i, I think in general though the, the my, I, I go back to this which is some it's the person who um in the story who's who's going to learn the most i mean i guess i, I you know even in, in this conversation i don't even know if i like that definition but basically what i what i always say is it's the person who's going to learn the most personal thing
0: right or
1: someone who is going to develop
0: and I would say it's the person who's yeah. through whom you're seeing the story, and whose side you're on, even if, whether he's good or bad. Like you're on that person's side. That's how I would define it, very oh. broadly.
2: Or you could say it this way: the okay. person, like you want to the, see them get. Whatever the they character want. who the whole story has been catered to 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 change.
0: Right. You emphasize change. That's your.
2: Well, the truth is, you can have a protagonist who doesn't change; just a shitty story. So, Wait, well, now I'm curious so, though.
1: So change and like sympathy. And and these two things. I mean, obviously, I mean, this you is know, where it's a, this both. is where it's affected. Yeah, this is when it's affected. But you have stories that are not good where they have, it's clear protagonists. like like the Babadook. Yeah, mm-hmm. where where she's not sympathetic, and she's not and she's well, she is going through change. Ch- 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 I, I don't changes. think she's
2: well. Okay, so the change. Okay, so I think this is the, yeah. point the change that she's going through is her husband died, and she's going to learn how to get over uh, to get over his death. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how that's how the story and her experiences helps her do that. And I don't
0: know if we fully see that she gets over her husband's death.
2: Right.
1: She says she does, but we don't understand how. So you know what I think the story is, and 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 let me just play devil's advocate here and be and be a critic. So if if I if I'm a critic, this is this is why I would like this movie because it's the story of grief, and it's complicated, and and it's very ugly and unpredictable, and she and she battles this this internal battle and at the end she she learns to to overcome her her internal struggle with her grief and her not wanting to accept that that she lost her husband and she and she never truly gets over it and and at the end she she sort of feeds it and she feeds it worms and whatever and she and, and and maybe that is the the real story of grief that that it's an artistic vision of of what it means like to go through these things you never truly get over it and and she and it's it's always going to be something that she's a part of and will have to battle with but but she um she she learns to make it to the next day and treat her son well. Are
0: and, you saying what you saw in the movie or what you think it should have been there? No, I think, think that
1: ate. is. I think that is a good thing about the movie as it stands. It is it is a pretty artistic vision of of grief and depression and one woman going through that. I think it succeeds at that. Uh, uh, it d- it's not entertaining. Like but, I'm, curious, you know, I'm curious, what. what uh, yeah, yeah. I would be
2: hesitant to say it succeeds at it. I would just say it took themes that you know uh, could, it, could have some, I guess, like artistic weight to it. it. It just seems so nonspecific, the way we're saying how it right. succeeded. You know, I feel like
0: before getting uh, to the... Well, it
2: succeeded at getting <clears throat> critics to acclaim it. Right. So I have a theory of why that happens. Okay. Please. Let's hear it. Do you, should we start with the, th- the thing? Yeah. Do we, are we going to say yeah. it?
0: Hmm? So, no, well, I think we'll bring yeah. it in. We're gonna... Fine, fine.
2: Yeah, yeah I don't think it's a censor. Fine. But basically, okay, I, I really asked my, my myself this question because we were talking about uh, critics last week and like what, what's really a critic's purpose. But I was also thinking, and, and, I th- and I was thinking more about it, and I was kind of taking it as a given that like, you know, I don't really remember my argument, but you were pushing me on it, Ellie, and I was thinking more about it. But basically, it, critics have to guess what's going to succeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that. Um, but I also don't think that it's. I actually don't know if that's what it is necessarily. I, I think maybe a little bit more of a specific example is to review films that you wouldn't necessarily get to hear about otherwise, right? So hmm. <clears throat> critics are not generally going to go behind. Of, uh, you know, they're 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 basically advocates for films you wouldn't get to see. Okay,
1: so mm, well,
0: I, I mean, every every, every major, major, major film that gets released gets reviewed. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> so that's really not what the critic is for. The critic is not there to tell you, um, you know, that um, Transformers is a great movie if you're if you're in high school. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean,
1: when, there, there are certainly when, critics that do that, but that's a- not the purpose of a critic when you think about that. When Avatar came out, everyone was like, oh, and critics like, you know, like like what's what's it doing in the box office? Or what are critics saying? You know, does there's there's all sorts of analysis that has to be done. Oh, does this live up to the hype? Is it you yeah? Know, but, what what type of movie
2: is? But it? Avatar is such a big movie, it has such a big marketing budget
1: mm-hmm.
2: that um, now. But by the way, I mean, marketing uh, people pay for, for 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 critics to write stuff. So that's really not a critic necessarily. That's okay. That's a, a marketer in the in the in that section of the newspaper, um, but but in general i mean you you don't need to tell people to see avatar you don't you're not going to see Avatar because you read in a review about it. You're going to see it because it's marketed everywhere, and it's it's a big thing. People are spending a lot of money. And on And yet, it.
0: every time an Avatar mm-hmm. is released, it will get okay. dozens, if not hundreds, of reviews. Which means that, like, the role of the critic, it's not only to expose you to movies you otherwise wouldn't see, but, because every major yeah, release I think will it, is,
1: it is part of the information that we consume. So, I mean,
0: I, I, I think the role of the critic, a, yeah. to put it very simply, is like to cr- like evaluate and criticize. They're, they're going to like, basically look that's through. It. They're like, gonna that's gonna the look, They're going to look
2: through the mess of but, stuff and filter yeah. out, filter
1: out what you should be seeing. This is what I suggest you say. Well, but it's not a strict filtering. I mean, I mean, we as consumers, as as watchers, you know, we have a limited amount of budget, you know, a limited amount of time to see movies, and there's there's a lot of good content out there. We want to make the best decision we can possibly make. So so when we when we choose what movie to see next, we we have to evaluate it on several different dimensions. One is it popular, you know. Two, does it match my interests, whatever. And and three, your or you know, however many however many uh, dimensions you want to look at this through. One of those dimensions is, you know, did it get critical acclaim? Mm. You know, if if you're looking at at two movies, and uh, one, you know, both of them did well. Maybe one of them did better, but then but then the one that did slightly less well has amazing reviews and. You know that that's information that's information yeah. you're going to you're going to take into account when you decide how to budget your time. Of course,
2: but I'm just saying where the critics matter the most is not on the big budget stuff. Those have marketing budgets. Those have all these different ways of telling you go see this movie. The
1: they are not matter trying to tell you go see this movie. It is when, it's when to
2: convince you. Sh- Sure, sure. Okay. Fine, but you still know about the movie. What when critics really But that's not enough. When the the really the bre- okay. the, the 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 bread and butter of critics is when a movie like Whiplash comes along, where it doesn't have a big marketing budget, and mm-hmm. but it's very high quality, and they say you have to see this movie. This is the best movie you're going to see this year, and then you then you decide to go see that very low budget film. That's really where they shine, where critics shine,
0: right? Yeah, I agree with that. So okay. they really they really call your attention to things that you otherwise would not necessarily. Exactly,
2: exactly. And so I, it's just another PR. way of saying it. I mean, it's a form of PR. Sure. Another mm-hmm. th- another way of saying it is that really what critics do is they they. Um, they promote movies that don't have big marketing budgets
0: or decry movies that don't have big marketing, bu- marketing budgets. What do you mean by that? Or, or decry they, they say, they do. don't see whiplash. Right. They soft. say,
2: they don't, they say, don't see, but they really are, if they're going at, they're advocating for those movies. Yeah. Okay. So I think that, okay, um, that's fair. So I do think yeah. that there is a, well, basically the significance of this is that there's an imbalance. Okay. Basically there, you know, when a good movie comes out, that's a big blockbuster. It has a higher chance of getting panned by critics. And I, and I think there's tons of examples. Armageddon is, I think, a great movie. It's a lot of fun to watch. If you look on the Rotten Tomatoes' reviews, it, get, it got slammed in the 90s for being like it, it, stupid and, oh, it was edited too quickly. It was like all these silly things that critics couldn't put their finger on why they didn't like the it. The Shining
1: got terrible reviews. It, it did? Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I just think there are tons of examples of Shawshank fine Redemption. movies. Yeah, Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, Shawshank Redemption, yeah. I think there are tons of examples of Psycho fine movies. also. Yeah, it's like Putin's no actually like, oh, yeah really? yeah second got but, reads, yeah. but and what and I think that there yeah, are many examples, okay. <laughs> and then I think there are many examples of lower budget films that weren't even that great but got great reviews. Mm-hmm. And I just think that there's an imbalance because and and I think it really comes down to this. This point is that um perhaps and maybe it doesn't. And maybe I just need more time to think about it, but this is just something I've been thinking about this week. Is that really that's what critic, critics have an agenda and that agenda is to to be to be to push the films that have these lower budgets where they make where, lower marketing budgets, where they become more significant for pushing them, and to um, and, and to be harsher on the bigger films because they're trying to say, "Hey, don't see these films, see these films."
0: Right, I hear that.
1: Wait, so so I I can get behind this this line of thinking that that low budget movies lack information and and they and they need critics so that you can evaluate them because big budget movies have trailers and this and that and whatever. And, uh, you know, they're on magazines, whatever, like you get enough information from big budget movies. You, you need more information from low budget movies that that I can get behind. But given, given that you're, that you're trying to, you know, given that critics are trying to maximize the amount of indicators for low budget movies, I, I don't know if they'd be biased toward higher ratings. I think they just have more of a bias to focus on those movies, mm-hmm. but still then assess them assess them fairly with a lot of variance. With of with course, good a good critic fabric. is not
0: going to say this movie has no marketing budget, therefore it's amazing. Like, sure, sure, that's no not how they're going
1: to come to their conclusion. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but to uh, to quote Bob Dylan's fifth studio album and bring this all back home, I think we should. <laughs> I, th- I think I think the question we were talking about is uh, the Babadook. You know specifically, did not make a lot of money, but did get incredible critic critical acclaim, and why do we think that is?
2: Yeah, so I, I think that that's really... And big. that
0: could be the cinematography, that could be the artistic choices. The I, re- I,
2: I think that, I, I think it really, what you were saying, is a real, meaning, there's two questions, I think there's two points. One is, why did critics like it? And the other question is, why did so many critics review it? And I think the reason it reviewed out is because... And also, question is,
0: why did that then translate into massive box office success?
2: Well, because I don't think it was... Because I don't think what the critics review... Meaning, they, they're going to be very... Uh, they're not going to go harsh on a $2 million film, which is what it
1: was. Uh, they've done that. I mean... Yeah, of course they sure, will. Sure, but they're
2: not going to do that on a film that got into Sundance that is by... Oh, but like,
1: why did it get into Sundance? I mean... It getting into Sundance is is really a form the same of, phenomenon of of, of right, it right. getting
2: good reviews. Right, I, I, I think there are a couple reasons why I think it got it got in, or why it got good reviews. But what I'm saying is, no one's going to go harsh on a two million dollar film the way that they would on a fifteen million dollar film. Uh, I, I, don't
0: don't agree with that. I don't
2: know. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think there's too much. Uh,
1: but they're not in the business
0: yeah. of, like, exposing movies. That, like, that's something that they do, but that's not their primary goal. The primary goal is to dissect the value of films that come out. And it's not even going harsh. I mean, they raved about this. This is, like, the, one
1: of the top-rated movies. Ever. I mean, this is... 98%. Yeah, this isn't, like, this isn't a question of, like, oh, they just don't want to slam it because that's mean. It's, it's they loved it. Yeah. I mean it's it's, it's com- a
2: whole different level. It, it's complete
1: trash. I mean it's, it, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's well, well the the watchers know that. But, yeah, I mean but, yeah. But
0: Babadu, bringing this back home... Like and like a uh, puke. Uh, yes.
1: So bringing this all back home and uh, no. quoting Bob Dylan's 13th studio <laughs> album, what do your
0: fans? And his 110th <laughs> studio <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Um, this is yeah, a no, preamble for
0: the uh, Bob Dylan podcast we're going to be launching in the near future.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, if you want a good blog about Bob Dylan, DylanExaminer.tumblr.com. Uh, <laughs> <tell them> <laughs> um,
0: I think there were a few factors about why this was critically lauded so much. And I think um, some of those have to do with the way it was shot. Uh, it had Which a it very, was shot well. Yeah, it, did, it was shot well. I feel like it had a very consistent tone in terms of um, like the, the way it was, you know, you could see more about the cinematography. It was very dark. But there was a very consistent dark, and that like mm-hmm. you know gave over this like very melancholy feel that is just something that you know you can inhabit well in a short horror movie. But I think the fact that it was also like a psychological thriller was a big part of that. Um, I mean, I think. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy, like you're saying, like the most simple, maybe the most effective horror movie is to tell one where you have a monster or, you know, a serial killer pursuing a victim and, like, the victim trying to escape. Uh, but when you attempt to tell a horror story in a slightly more complex manner, you know, about someone struggling through emotions, through grief, just basically combating monsters in their head that are separate from, quote, reality, uh, that, that could lead to, like, a lot more um, just interesting outcomes i feel like the babadook yeah. is one in which that is true um i also think the name is good like like that's a selling point when i first heard it i was like shit what the hell is a babadook i want to yeah. check this out like yeah. also
2: i also think the and premise... i felt the opposite
0: about like when i saw the trailer for get out one of the horror films i love recently yeah. like, i i loved it the trailer i was hooked and they revealed the name and i was like you oh, know like okay whatever
1: i also think the premise this could have been was a great premise like it was a bit mismarketed okay. because they wanted you to think it was oh a monster from a book that comes alive, that's... but it actually was not at all. Yeah. Right when you, a w- the monster comes
2: alive when you read it, that's a great premise. That's the Ring. You know, that's like that's yeah. a great premise. It works, but it, it just didn't. I don't. I don't so yeah. may, maybe that's also
1: why it I mean, really it had nothing to do with the monster. I also like, the monster was was. I mean, it, it, we didn't even see. it I know it really that, that was a big thing that bothered me. The monster scary.
0: was not like yeah. the. It's not even that we didn't see it. It's like you read this picture book in like the first few scenes of the movie, whatever. The, the picture and book was
2: the scariest The picture thing book the was terrifying. Then. Yeah.
0: But you see this yeah. monster in this picture book with, like, these long claws, this, like, spooky grin, this big black top hat, like, he's Abraham Lincoln or something, like, trying to, you know, terrorize this kid. And you're expecting the rest of the movie, like, oh, this terrifying being is going to come and, like, tear shit apart. And that just doesn't really happen. Like, yeah, he's here and there, like, in scenes. Like, you hear his voice. He knocks on the door. Like, he, yeah. he's floating on the ceiling towards the end at one point. But it's like, he's not... He's not present in the way that he could be and to have such a scary monster be introduced and then not brought through like so, so here's it's a, a missed opportunity. Here's a here's a thought. I, I mean do do
1: you think that this movie would have done better had it not been marketed as a horror movie? I mean as like a
0: psychological thriller
1: for some. Yeah, time. if this was like a psychological thriller drama? It, it might have found an audience there that, that wanted to analyze these things and and think about grief and stuff, but but it was it was marketed as a monster movie, which it really wasn't so th- that could be a reason why fans were so disappointed and, um, and you know because yeah, they, they got horror movie fans and horror movie fans were not terrified yeah but but I don't know, I guess I guess critics are a more analytical type of people and they and they like you know just just analyzing movies and and there's a lot to analyze there i think it's it's very rich in symbolism and and it it you know it's sort of interesting um i I do think it's interesting as a piece of art and a piece of commentary on grief
2: i just don't know what that means um to say something's interesting in that way if it's not
0: well, what I would say, like, I think, I'm, like, yeah, yeah, no, like, I'm glad someone made it, and like, it's an interesting perspective on like a woman who lost her husband's, like, you know, approach to grief. Like, it doesn't mean it's my favorite horror movie. It doesn't mean that I enjoyed it. It's just like, I'm glad that that's out there and that I've seen it, so I could understand that there are ways of tackling yeah, this. Yeah, it's like
1: Kafkaesque. It, it's it's it like is like Metamorphosis yeah.
0: is not entertaining at all. Right, it's
1: boring, and it's just boring.
0: Uh, you but, probably didn't get it. You probably didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But it, but yeah, it's it's you know required reading in every high school. It's like it's it's one of the most famous books out there. But like right. people I really who read metamorphosis it, hate
2: it after I read the second half of Infinite Jest,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you pretentious mother, <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, but like pretentious people love it, right? And and like kids who are required to read it hate it. Right, I, I think it sort of is Kafkaesque in that
0: way. No, it's tr- it's actually true. It's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good. <laughs> so you're saying it's Kafkaesque in that it's similar to metamorphosis. <laughs> Not that it's Kafkaesque <laughs> by the definition of like <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: right. <laughs> no, 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 but Kafkaesque, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. but Kafkaesque, and that it's like a you know super fucked up perspective on like you know something mundane, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I what is the really... definition of Kafkaesque.
2: Isn't that the definition? Well, what am I getting? I think here? Kafkaesque is when like everything starts going against you, you know, so you, you wake up and you're accused of murder. Like, yeah. I oh, think is that's that
1: really it? I've been misusing Kafka. Yeah. Or it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: it's like the world basically turns. You know? yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been defining it as similar to Metamorphosis. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to do with bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Okay. So, did you want to speak about the cinematography? Was that
2: uh, – Not really. I think yeah. we, it was good. I mean actually the opening image – I thought the movie was going to be great in the first 10 yeah. minutes because remember that opening yeah. thing with the car was turning – but she was turning but all that was changing mm-hmm. was her hair. Yeah, that was a good it, That was a, a lot, lot of creative things. Yeah.
1: Um, but I, actually, but I, eventually,
2: I was going to say eventually yeah. you realized that they were just compensating
1: by yeah. doing these
2: things because they had no story to tell. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, one really annoying thing that I did not like about it, this kind of as a side note, is that is that you know how what's that expression like? If you if you see a gun in the kitchen, somebody better. Cough
0: gas. <laughs> no, it's, it's like there's a line like if yeah. there's a loaded gun, then it, it has, has to be get used. Yeah, it has yeah, to be yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I think this movie had a lot of loaded guns. Yes. That ju- like. There were, like, seeds planted. There was this relationship with her sister and her co-worker and, and the fact that she, you know, like, the fact that he, like, you know, was, like, dangerous and didn't have friends. And, like, there were all sorts of, like, things that, that you were like, oh, this is going to come in handy later. And, and this is going to tie in somehow. And it just did not tie in. It, it, it comp- the movie completely changed course. Thirty percent of the way. in.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of these movies that I see that are like this. It's it's someone wrote for the first time and they started writing and they. Made and she did movie. write it for the first time. This was her first
1: movie, Jennifer. Kent.
2: But, right, but yeah. was it her first script also? Uh, I, uh, I I don't know. It's her first movie. Okay, yeah. but you, you know you, you you write from the beginning and you don't know what where it's going and so you mm-hmm. write as you go and what ends up happening is you end up creating just all these problems that are or questions that never get resolved or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it, but but the point is, it's not one cohesive thing.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, oh wait,
1: can we can we get back to this idea of like knowing the parameters of the monster? Yeah, because I I think that is I mean I guess we sort of covered it, but I I just think it's such an important point that maybe we should you know devote a little a little more energy to it that that like if you if you don't know it. The rules if, if there aren't clearly defined rules, you know if this monster could sort of do anything and then then it's then it's stupid it becomes boring and then you're watching this and you're like, all right, well you know, I can't possibly guess what's gonna happen. Right. So so the watcher becomes less engaged.
0: yeah totally but I, th- I think here like the flaw isn't that we didn't necessarily know what the monster could do or what it was capable of. I think especially when she read the book the second time we were given a glimpse of what the monster, Planned on doing, or you know, some just negative foreshadowing of mm-hmm. killing the boy, killing the dog, killing, killing her. Um, but but let's actually, say, was that the monster? Or was that her? Because if that was her, it was her. It was the monster too. taking over her. Right. Right.
1: But but just more so generally,
0: the threat is almost like the monster is you know her depression, her grief, her anxiety. It is you know the metaphor we're talking about. It is essentially the negative components of her personality or whatever's been building up because she doesn't address her own personal issues her grief etc and then at
1: that point it could do anything
0: I mean at that point it could do whatever you know a person who's I guess slowly losing their mind or dealing with a lot of severe grief is capable of which is not you know like climbing walls or like ripping holes in reality but it's like killing a dog killing your son you know god forbid cost shoelaces like killing (laughs) 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 um
1: yeah so no so so i agree and um and and like so if, if we think about ourselves like as a watcher you know as we're as we're going through the experience of a film what are we what are we doing that makes us upset if we don't know what's what what can happen like like i, I would almost argue that as we're watching we're we're trying to guess what's going to happen We're tr- we're trying to put ourselves in that situation and kind of figure things out like like scope out the the setting and kind of think about like oh what would i do in this situation right
2: you be, you want to become the character
1: yeah and and if we don't know the world that we're in then we we have a hard time putting ourselves in the character's shoes that's a good point if you don't know the setting yeah that's a good point
2: i think that's also true with conflict so even in a non horror film if you don't if the conflict is not clear it's compl- it's like it's annoying to watch because of it's, the, not I think it's, it's not relatable. It's not
1: definitely not relatable. I think it's the same mm-hmm. issue. It's also just boring.
0: There's no conflict. Conflict creates excitement and investment.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, now maybe let's let's uh, one thing we want to start doing, and uh, if all of our fans could uh, write to us and let us know what you think, um, then we're going to try going around and saying um, and saying you know what we learned, what we think, you know, kind of our takeaways of of this this movie as an experience. Um, so. So uh, I'll go first. Um, so I, I think I think I have two takeaways. Number one, um, the characters the characters really need to be relatable. I think this this issue of having a protagonist who's not the monster is is an important one. And since the sun is so annoying, I think that's that's you know just like you really need to get behind your characters. And and another takeaway is that is that this movie is really like films really got to know what it is. You know, in this mm-hmm. in this movie it was sort of a drama and an art piece um but you know, it tried to be a horror and a monster movie at the same time. And it
0: just, you know, crashed and burned in my opinion. The thing is though like uh really good films are able to juggle all of those different identities at once. Bad films Try to do it. I'd and be curious. Able to. I'd
2: be curious uh, to hear what what examples you have of where they're balancing that. Well, I mean, so I
0: mean, because I'm so balancing me, me I am not so saying balancing these specifically. I'm saying a I good tend film. I think
2: that the good films are the ones who just do one and do it very well.
0: Well, well that's that's or, a that's a type t- of good film. T- the type of good film is like the simple. You know what you're getting. So, like he, it so give me an
1: example. Of you a could film. no. The point is, you could do three. You know, three or four topics or whatever, but as long as they're tied up in one cohesive whole. Sure. Yeah. You know, as long as the story is. A single story that encompasses several sure, different you can, elements. Sure, you could do a film fine. noir in space. You know, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Film,
2: sci-fi film noir.
0: That's kind of what I'm saying. There just needs yeah. to be. But, unified but I grid. would say
2: at the at the root of those films, it's a noir. That's not really, the sci-fi thing. is just you know whatever. It's part of this. Maybe it's part of a piece of the. You're story saying there's
0: like the base, and there's the other identities which are secondary to that
2: yes I think
0: so interesting yeah I mean I hear that like it would be cool to actually watch a movie which either tries to do what the Babadook did juggling multiple again identities and succeeds sort of tear apart like why why it succeeds in that way but my takeaway is um, I think for similar to what Ben was saying I think for films horror films to horror films that are of a psychological nature to succeed and really to excel there needs to be a clear distinction between what is real and what is in the person's head Um, and you could sort of, you could understand easily where you are within the reality of the film. And I feel like this, this film was way too hazy and like murky and back and forth between those two. Um, and it just, it just doesn't ground you as well as a more successful film would.
2: Yeah. And I I think I agree with both of those. And I I think also just one last, uh, takeaway in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, to me, I was really shocked that it got such good reviews. I really couldn't believe it. And, and yet it was a bad experience watching it and it was, it didn't do well in the market. Um, And I think that it really gave me a a pause on on this whole idea of reviews and and what it means as a market indicator. Um, And uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting.